Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf and welcome to my podcast, Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess. In this episode, I chat with New York Times bestselling author and keynote speaker, Lavi Ajayi-Jones on how fear is the enemy of progress and what it means to be a professional troublemaker and what we need to get right within ourselves before we can do the things that scare us, but that will actually grow us and so much more. But before we begin the episode, I would love to ask you to take a few minutes right now and subscribe to my podcast. It would mean the world to me. And keep sharing your favorite episodes and key takeaways with friends and your family and on social media. And don't forget to grab a copy of my new book, Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess, available on Amazon at Target, wherever books are sold. And now, on to today's episode. Lovey, I'm so excited to talk to you. This has been like such a great book to read. And we're going to be talking about your book, Professional Troublemaker. That just sounds fabulous. And I love it. It's a fabulous book. I love the little naughty looking face on there. And it's so great to meet you. I've been looking forward to this interview and looking forward to talking to you. So welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Lee. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a great conversation. Okay, let's start off with you telling us my viewers and my audience, a little bit about who you are and why you wrote this fantastic book. Yes, I am a writer, a speaker, a digital strategist, and I am a lover of truth-telling. And I have been working on these internets for about 18 years as somebody who uses her words to make people feel joy, think critically, and compel them to take action to leave the world better than they found it. And for me, this is my second book. My first book was called I'm Judging You, The Do Better Manual. I know, a fantastic book. book. (laughs) And in that book, I talked about how we can be better at being humans, and here's how. And in Professional Troublemaker, I'm saying for us to be better at being humans, we're going to have to disrupt some of the spaces that we're in for the greater good, and we're going to have to do some things that are scary. So it's my best work yet, and I'm really proud of it. Oh, well, you should be. And I love the, the way you talk about being human. You know, I talk about it all the time because I work around mind and brain and talking about cleaning up the mental mess. And I say, but we have to just be humans again. It's kind of like we've become avatars in this very fast paced technological world. And we forgot about being in that human space again. And I think that really appealed to me about your book. So tell us more about the book in terms of, and then I'm going to dive into some deep, to some more deeper questions. So just tell us a bit more about what were you trying to achieve? What was your, in, a bit more in depth about your objective of writing this book? Yeah. In writing this second book, I really want to tackle the concept of fear and how we need to normalize the idea that we are going to be afraid moving through this world. Even when we conquer one fear, there's something else lurking that's going to be a challenge for us. And we need to not feel bad or attach guilt and shame to fear. Yeah, We just need to approach life with this idea that it's going to be scary but we have to charge forward regardless. We're going to have to be troublemakers, not just out there in the world, but in our own lives to live what is truly audacious, what is truly going to be a life that blows our minds and a life that we look back on and say, I'm so glad I, I, I did it in that way. Oh, I love it. Okay. So based on that, I'm going to read, I doggy had so much of this book. <laughs> I love what you said here. Can I read it to you? Can I read you your own book? It's so nice when people read you your own book. Have you ever had anyone read your book to you? <laughs> it's gonna... happened a couple of times. Okay, so I'm going to read you a little paragraph that I loved. A professional troublemaker is someone who critiques the world, the shoddy systems, and the people who refuse to do better. Now, I just love that, okay? 
and then you say as a writer speak in shady Nigerian, I can really relate to that because it's just that's hilarious. I mean, I love that. I'm the person who's giving the side eye to the folks for doing trash things. Let's talk about this people who refuse to do better. You couldn't have said that in a more appropriate time that we live in. Like mm-hmm. It does feel to me like people are going backwards. And from a scientific, my scientific research, we actually see people are moving backwards in their mind. Wow. And they're thinking, feeling and choosing, which is affecting life expectancy. And we're moving forward in technology. So we're becoming more machine-like and avatar-like and focused on mm. the physical, but we're not speaking, we're not dealing enough with being human. And I think that's wow. why your book has appealed so much to me. So when I read that statement, I thought, okay, that is going to be one of my opening questions. People who refuse to do better. Take it away, Lavi. I love that. <laughs> People who refuse to do better. I think we're more conscious of the things that we do that are not okay. And sometimes the lack of action is intentional. Sometimes you know you're wrong and you should be better, but you just refuse to because you are comfortable doing things the way you've been doing it. And you're comfortable with wherever you're supposed to be, you know, whatever you are right now. You know, a lot of times you'll know I shouldn't be working here anymore or I shouldn't be living here anymore. But you won't move forward because of whatever the reason is, because you are you have made a home in comfort, not a home where you're actually supposed to be. And I think for us as humans, as we become more machine like. We have to even be more intentional now to be able to be like, stop what's operating. How am I programmed to operate? Is this actually productive for me? Should I fix it? And I think a lot of what I'm saying is we don't live audacious lives accidentally. We don't wake up one day and all of a sudden fight fear by accident. We don't tell the truth by accident. All of it is purposeful. So we actually have to make the decision to do them. You know, they're not personality traits. Being bold is not necessarily just a personality trait. It's that I wake up every single day and make the decision that that day I'm going to be as true as I possibly can be. That's a decision, Mm -hmm. right? And I think so many of us have to start making the intentional decision to be better for not just ourselves, for the community, for our families, for the world. And being better is not you wake up and make a grand gesture. It's in the small moments as much as it is in the big moments, because if the big moments come and you don't have practice of telling the truth in the small moments, you don't have language for the big moments. You don't even have the ability or the muscle built up to to do it and be the person who shows up the way they're supposed to show up, which is why those small moments are important. The times that don't feel like they matter a lot, the times when nobody's watching are just as important as when a thousand people are watching, 12,000 people, 100,000 people are watching. It's why I'm just like social media, I know, has created it's allowed us all to create different personas of ourselves. But my goal is to always be who I say I am, whether there's nobody watching or whether it's 360,000 people who follow me on Instagram. It's because in the small moments, I'm insisting on being true so that in the big moments, it doesn't feel so jarring. Oh, I love that. I talk a lot about how it takes 63 days. In my research, I showed how it takes 63 days to change a behavior. To, so we always think habits form in 21 days, but habits don't form in 21 days. They form in 63, and habits that change behavior take at least 63 days to perform. And it's in those 60, and it's those cycles. And every day, it's something little that you do that is actually building and wiring that pattern into your brain in, the, in a proactive way. And that's what you're saying. It's not just something that you wake up from X. It's not an X to Y. It's not a sort of zero sum game. It's not a sort of go from one point to the next. It is building up slowly. So I love how you say that, that we show up. And so people that aren't showing up and aren't doing better, they're making that decision every day to stay the same. That's pretty much what I'm hearing you say. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I validate and affirm the fear of it all, right? Yeah. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about the fear because that's a lot of reason why people do block and don't move. Yeah. Because you're afraid of rejection, disappointment. You're afraid of failure. Sometimes you're afraid of success. But what you know is comfortable is where you are right now. So you decide and choose to stay there, you know, because you don't want to be disappointed. You don't want to wish for more, not get it, and then wonder why you tried. You know, you don't want to be the person who feels like "Ah, I had hope and then I I, I was let down. But I think you can't afford to not have hope. And you can't constantly brace yourself for the impact of disappointment because what will happen is just the very act of you expecting to be disappointed means you are less likely to take the risk that you probably need to take that will lead to the rewards 
right? So it's in the moments when you're like, ah, I want to ask for a raise, but I'm afraid they're going to say no. So then you never ask, right? So in that moment, you have opted into the worst case scenario because you're afraid of disappointment when you can say, you know what? The best case scenario of me asking is that they say yes, and I have more money in my pocket. The worst case scenario is they say no, and I'm still in the same place. But because we build up these fears to basically become dragons in our own heads, we will allow the dragon to stop us. We will allow it to tell us, you know what? Don't ask for the raise. Don't ask for the promotion because they might say no. Okay. If they say no, what do you lose? But the thing that you lose by not asking is that best case scenario, the yes, the thing that could transform your life possibly, the thing that could change your family's life in a good way. You know, so I've just, the fear is real. And I understand why we are afraid of the no, the, the, the rejection, the disappointment. However, the dragon wasn't that big. We created the dragon in our heads. You know, the no that we're afraid of, that no is not really going to disrupt our lives. It just might hurt our feelings, right? It might just hurt our feelings, which you can deal. You've, your feelings have been hurt before. It doesn't break you to hear the no, but because we've given the no so much power, we let the no be what stops us, the, the no that we are afraid of. And in those moments, we have to put fear in perspective. We have to say, is this fear productive or is this actually stopping me from doing what I'm purpose to do? And I think productive fear is what keeps you from physical danger, right? You know, you being afraid of putting your hand in fire because you know you would get burned. You know, you being afraid of not wearing your mask outside during a pandemic. That keeps you safe. But that same thing is what keeps you from doing or saying what you know you should do or say. That same fear is what keeps you from having a tough conversation with a family member or with a friend or applying for the degree, right? Or whatever the thing is. So don't let fear and your fears, whether valid or not, don't let them be the first factor in your decision making. That's when we lose. Being afraid is not when we lose. That's fine. That's normal. That's human. But moving past the fear is what we're asked to do. That's where courage is. Because without without fear, you can't have courage. If it was easy, it wasn't courageous. It wasn't brave. So you already have the fear part down. Now move forward and do the thing anyway. Before we continue with today's episode, I want to share with you a little about a company I recently discovered, love, and highly recommend, and one my family and I are all loving, Athletic Greens. With so many stresses in life, it's difficult to maintain effective nutritional habits and give our bodies the nutrients it needs to thrive. Busy schedules, poor sleep, exercise, stress, or simply not eating enough of the right foods. This is where Athletic Greens can help. Their daily, all-in-one superfood powder is your nutritional essential, It is by far the easiest and most delicious nutritional habit that you can add to your health routine today, while avoiding the need to take multiple pills or add complex routines. They simplify the logistics of getting optimal nutrition on a daily basis by giving you one thing with all the best things. One tasty scoop of Athletic Greens contains 75 vitamins, minerals and whole food sourced ingredients including a multivitamin, multimineral, probiotic, green superfood blend and more that all work together to fill the nutritional gaps in your diet, increase energy and focus, aid with digestion and support a healthy immune system, all without the need to take multiple products. I love adding athletic greens to my morning smoothies or acai bowls. My husband Mac loves adding it to some water right before a workout and swears it makes a difference. And right now, Athletic Greens is doubling down on supporting your immune system during the winter months. They are offering my audience a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase if you visit my link today. You'll basically never have to buy vitamin D again. So whether you're looking for peak performance or better health, covering your bases with Athletic Greens makes investing in your energy, immunity and gut health each day simple, tasty and efficient. Simply visit athleticgreens.com forward slash leaf and join health experts, athletes and health conscious go-getters around the world who make a daily commitment to their health every day. Again, 
simply visit athleticgreens.com forward slash leaf and get your free year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs today. The link and offer details will be in the show notes as well. I love it. And you know what you say, do it anyway. Let's say that they do ask for the raise and they don't get that. But the yeah. mere fact that they've actually asked for it's already one step forward beyond not doing anything. Yes. You know, so, it's, so it's to be able to be comfortable with not getting what you think is the outcome because you've still learned something. You've still yeah. had the courage to step forward. You still actually conquered a fear and did it. doesn't matter if you did get it or didn't get it. The fact is that you actually, you went in on a journey of courage. And yeah. that's like super important. And I Absolutely. like the perspective angle. You know, it's looking at things from another angle. It's like, like seeing, well, that's not really a failure. It's, well, that didn't work this time, but at least I did it. So instead of, oh, it didn't work and giving up, I'm hearing you say, well, no, it's actually a little step forward. You didn't get it. Yes, well, you did. Fantastic. But if you didn't, it's still progress. You still did something. You didn't just stay there wondering, what if? Yes. You know, and living in what if land is giving into fear, isn't it? Yes. I think I would, I would rather live an, oh, well, I tried life than yes. a, what if I would have tried. Exactly. You know, my whole thing is I don't want to regret. I don't want to wonder what if I had gotten the yes. Exactly. You know, how could that have changed something for me? And, and I understand the fear. I know it. Yeah, I've yeah. had moments where I've made decisions based on my fear. And in those moments, I usually learn the lesson all over again. It's like the exactly. thing that you said no to was not that big of a deal. You could have handled it. Exactly. And you could have actually gotten the yes. And my TED Talk now has almost 6 million views. Wow. That's I said fantastic. no to it twice. Because I saw I that. Afraid. I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. I was afraid I wasn't ready, that I would bomb. I was afraid that I'd get on that stage and 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 not give the talk of my lifetime. And I, I would I'd do so bad that I'd stop being invited to speak at other places. <laughs> but I, I was I had a friend who basically gave me perspective and said, no, you got this. I need you to get off my phone and go write this talk. And I think about that moment because that moment was the difference between me doing this thing. Yeah. And not doing this thing. This friend who loaned me courage. Uh, loaned you courage. I love that. This friend loaned, loaned me courage. courage. That's beautiful. And that's what I want my book to do. I want my ah. book to loan people courage in those moments where you're like, I'm about to say no. And then yeah. you read something and you go, okay, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm going to do, do it anyway. anyway. And, and that's gonna the progress. No matter what, come, what, what, what outcome, I'm going to do it anyway. I I'm going to do it anyway. And you will do it. And you might... Have your life transformed in ways you might never see coming. My exactly. talk has shifted so much. And I'm just so thankful that I had my friend in the moment when I didn't have my own power say, no, no, no. Let me remind you of yourself and how, of how amazing you are. That's and beautiful. You'd be good. Yeah. I love that concept of learning courage. And, and how it just shows you how it's not about us. It's about us in the world. And it's about that connection and how that deep, meaningful connection in that moment learned you the courage to be able to actually move forward. and and not be scared of the messiness that can happen in yeah. what we, and, and to basically embrace the growth that can happen from that. And I think that, don't you think, Lovey, just, just want to throw this out there, you know, we live in such a world that has become so focused on the external and the external value of you've got to have this to be, to be recognized, you've got to get this, you've got to do this many things, you've got to have this many likes, you've got to have this award, you've got to have that. So it's very external. We've, we've moved away from that internal satisfaction. So if we set a goal like I want to get that job and get that raise and I'm being a failure if I don't get it, we need to move from, that's that external reward. We need to move to more of an internal thing where, hey, I tried it anyway. And actually, what does that mean? This, it's not just that I failed. It's actually what have I learned from that? So it's, it's more of an internal reward to an, a, the current extrinsic kind of focus. A lot of focus on this sort of mechanistic biomedical model that has led us to look at the external, the wellness industry, mm -hmm. which is all great and well. There's some brilliant things. But there's a lot of focus on the external reward. And it's moving us away from that internal recognition of who I am and what I can achieve. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think us looking inward is necessary. As we have so much information at our fingertips in this world, we are all technically more connected than ever because we can Absolutely. reach each other easier. But we're also disconnected. Yeah. Because I think we are removing or attaching shame to very human emotions like fear exactly you know, exactly we're attaching guilt to it and then also we're distracted because we're constantly on our phone so our time for introspection is probably less than ever it's probably oh, yeah. just but i think what we're missing in that is that we are missing chances to really grow and evolve 
emotionally. We're evolving physically, but emotionally, I think humans, like you said, we're regressing because we stop spending time with ourselves, with exactly. each other mm-hmm. in real ways. We stop telling the truth to ourselves because now we have all these distractions exactly. sitting at our fingertips that allow us to not do it. But I think that's been the yeah. gift of COVID for me. And yes. I hope a lot more other people. Yeah. This last year of the world shutting down mm-hmm. was a gift. It was truly a gift mm-hmm. that if we did, if I we totally don't take advantage agree. of it, we've wasted time. And I think the gift is that with distractions gone of running around, we don't have to go see this person. We don't, we're not running to catch flights. It was our moments to sit with ourselves in our houses, in our four walls. And rethink. Yeah. And rethink and our rethink. values. Mm-hmm. Rethink our values, affirm some of them, switch mm-hmm. up some of them. Mm-hmm. Figure out if we like who we've become. Love it. And this last year, I realized I love who I am. I love who I've become. And and the thoughtfulness that I'm growing up with, that I'm making sure I'm evolving with that as my platform grows, as my my name is known by more people, it actually means I need to turn more inward, not more outward. It means I need to make sure that I continue being the thinker and the writer and the leader that I would be proud of in 10 years. And all of that. Actually, this book, writing this book in itself was cathartic to me because I think it was a moment for me to stop and think through all these things and think through all the moments in my life when fear ran the play. You know, it allowed me to kind of reflect and see who I'll be in five years and if some of these words will help that woman. And I ultimately, I feel like I wrote this book for myself in this pandemic because it was a book that I'm like, I need it now. Like, I want it now to read it. <laughs> yeah, I see you said that. You actually had a, a little part about why you wrote this book and you had three little points. This is also the book I needed when, and you have the three points about when. And I thought that was excellent. And you did, so I assume this is what you're talking about now. Yes. Can I, can yes. I quickly read it back to you? So you wrote Absolutely. Here, this is also the book I needed when. I knew I really didn't want to become a doctor, but since it was a dream I tied myself to since I was little, I was afraid of choosing something else. In your second point, I didn't call myself a writer, even though I'd been writing four times a week for nine years, and my words were reaching people in ways I'd never imagined. And the third Mm -hmm. point, I was asked to do the biggest talk of my career, and I turned it down two times before saying yes, which is the TED Talk you referenced, because I didn't think I was ready, and I was afraid I'd bomb on stage. So those things seem to be your driving force and your grandmother behind this book. So so talk to me quickly about the dream of becoming a doctor and talk to me about your grandmother, because I love how you've dedicated that to her and you speak so highly. And and she sounded like like an absolute character. She was a character. Yes. I actually, growing up, I thought I was going to be a doctor. It was the thing that I told people I wanted to be since I was four. And when I started college, my major was psychology pre-med. Yeah. Because I love psychology, fell in love with it in high school. I ended up getting a D in chemistry. (laughs) That freshman year, my first and last year of my academic career. And it really pivoted me. It made me realize, no, you actually don't want to be a doctor. That's not the dream here. You were holding on to the dream because other people had thrust that on you. Ah, very interesting. Yeah. Like, I, you know, sometimes we will take on people's dreams. dreams, Yeah. Like we take on their fears when really what we need to be doing is taking on people's courage more than anything. I love that. Oh, wow. That's a great statement. We take on other people's dreams. We take on other people's fears. But what we should really be doing is taking on other people's courage. Yes. Beautiful. Yes. Yes. And yeah, that doctor dream didn't happen. The psych- So I ended up getting my degree in psychology because I still thought I was like, you know, what? I'll go to grad school because I love psychology. I love how the human brain works. I'm so intrigued yeah. by it. So if I was not a writer, I would definitely be a psychologist right now. Oh, well, that, that's great. Or you'd be a neuroscientist. Here we go. You love brains. I've got a brain for you here. There you go. <laughs> But my grandmother was really who I realized as I grew up, I was watching and who was giving me permission to be this bold woman who spoke the truth, who was herself without apology and who allowed herself to be celebrated. My grandmother was, her name was Fumilayo Following. We called her Mama Following, but I called her grandma. My grandma was just a character. She was, she laughed with her whole face and her whole body. She was so generous. And she was so kind, but she didn't take people's crap. You know, she spoke up when she needed to. She respected and she did not let things happen in her midst that she was not proud of without challenging them. And I realized I was watching her be that person. And that's who I am now. And she's a model. 
They say kids do what you do, not what you say. So, you know, that really was to have a role model like that is fantastic. I like the way you say she didn't take, you know, she, she didn't take what was not right. She, she would stop and she would question and, and I love this. As an elder Nigerian stateswoman, she was the epitome of giver of no dams. <laughs> that made me chuckle. So she was too old to be checked. She knew how to take up the space she was given. Now, that, was, that also caught my attention. You kind of, from what I'm seeing through your, your writing and through just, you know, who you are, you're kind of trying to tell people to, to do the same thing. Take up the space that you've been given. Can you talk about that? Because I love that. Yeah. But if I had to summarize you, and I know you talk about troublemaker, not having fear, and it's brilliant, but it feels to me like you're giving people the tools to take up the space that they were mm. given. Yeah. I think women are especially given the message to shrink ourselves depending on what room that we're in, to shape shift depending on people's ideas and feelings and opinions that day. We have this deep need to people please. So then we spend a lot of times bending ourselves backwards for other people's likes and wants. And it's weird because then you wake up one day and realize that you've bent yourself out of shape for a lot of people who are fickle, who will still think that's not enough. And I want women especially to stop having to apologize for being our true selves because this world is constantly telling us we're not enough Mm -hmm. or we're too much or whatever that thing is. So then we spend all this time internalizing what ends up being arrows to our core character. Mm -hmm. And we end up thinking our job was to change when really we should just change where we're around or who we're around, not change ourselves. If the people around you think you're too much, move. Uh, You don't belong there. You don't Did you all hear that? Did you all hear that? If people around you think you too much, move or let them move. <laughs> and correct. Or even better, they can move out of the yeah, way. Yeah, even better. They can move out even of your better. way. You don't have to move all the time. They can yeah. move because if yeah. your bigness, if your greatness is somehow an affront to them, then they have to move because your star is too bright for them. And that's not your problem. That's not your business. And it's not for you to internalize. It's not for you to shift. You know, your greatness should not be somebody else's failure. And it should not be a projection of somebody else's failure. That for them is is their trauma response to you. And I'm always like, I can't be smaller because you are offended by my bigness. I can't. That's so good. Say that again. I cannot be smaller because you are offended by my bigness and my my greatness. So beautiful. You know, I honestly love you. I want to hone in on that point because what I've been, I teach a lot in my, my work with neuroscience and mind brain stuff is that First of all, if you don't shape yourself, the world will shape you, which is what you've been talking about, the shape shifting. You've got to actually be that person. And, and then secondly, that we need to, that, that, that we're actually able to do this, that we are able to do this, that we're not incapable, that we have this power in us. And you really go into depth about, you know, giving people tools to do that. And, and I'd love to just, to just also focus in on a little bit on how you've structured the book, because I feel to, to transition at this point, for how do you do this? How do you, if someone's, if, if, if someone's being offended by your bigness, that you can't take that on? So how can you take up the space? How can you be that effective troublemaker who's not trying to cause problems for the world, but who's trying to actually help you take up your space and be the person you're supposed to be and do this, you know, get, stand up for what's right, et cetera? What all, what, what all that means to you? So you broke up your book into be, say, and do. Yes. So I'd love to hit a little bit on. Let's talk a little bit about the B and you say under the B, know yourself, be too much, dream audaciously, own your dopeness, trust where you are. So let's start with B. Let's talk a little bit around those and then we'll talk about the say and about the do. Just touch on each of those as a sort of helping people to understand what it means to take up your space and to be a troublemaker. How are you using the concept of troublemaker and not fearing to take up your space through B, say, do? Have I yeah. said that correctly? Have I summarized your, your... You did. You did. I put the book in three sections because I feel like it's a chronological sequence. Yeah. You know, to be, you got to work on a whole lot of mindset issues, a lot of limiting beliefs, some of the things that have kept you feeling like you cannot go for what you want, that you're not deserving of what you want. And some of that has to be let go of. It's like baggage that's weighing you down. Yeah. Then... You have to start putting words to this new boldness. You have to start speaking up in the rooms and not being silent because you know that your voice and your story matters. 
even just as much as anybody else, so just good. as much as the person who is loud in the room, your voice matters. So you got to start using it. And then the do is now you got to put action to these words. You got to put foot to the pavement, make something happen, do something different. You know, your words do not matter if they don't match what you're actually doing. So the be, say, do is where get comfortable with being audacious, let go of some of the people pleasing expectations, know that you're worth it. Say, start using your voice, especially when it's difficult, because that's usually when it's most necessary. Your voice and your story matters. Do start taking action that can move you forward, you know, that can transform your life, that could move you out of whatever that comfort is that you've made a home out of, but does not, that's not where you belong. And all of those three together allow you to take up the space and really live the life that you deserve to live, the grand one. Mm, that's lovely. Okay. Can you, can you get practical now in terms of, let's take each of those concepts, the B. So let's talk about what could you, what could you help someone in terms of know yourself? What would be like a first step or a little tip in, in know yourself? What, how would you get the person yeah. going with that? And the reason I say know yourself is because we just discussed around how we can be so easily shaped. Yeah. And we've, in our conversation thus far has gone a lot around how we are so influenced by the external. So it's kind of hard almost to, you know yourself, but to actually really know yourself. Can you talk a little bit about what would be some tips, practical tips that people could start doing to, to get to know yourself? And then obviously they can get the book and find out more. But Yeah. I think one of the things you have to do is be clear on what your core values are. Write them down. What are your core values? The things about you that are not going to really shift, right? It doesn't mean you don't grow as a, as a thinker, but it just means what is it that you hold dear? Put this on paper. Because as the world is trying to tell you who you are, you need something that's going to anchor you, something that is clear, that they cannot move right out off your center. And I think that's a big part of being. That's so good. Is one of your 2021 New Year's resolutions to read more? Well, I've got an amazing hack to help you achieve your goal 10 times over. It's an app called Blinkist, and it's one of my favorite apps ever. Why? Blinkist takes the best key takeaways, the need to know information from thousands of nonfiction books and condenses them down into just 15 minutes that you can read or listen to. Blinkist is made for busy people like you who want to get the main points of a book quickly so you can start using that information right away. And with its audio feature, Blinkist makes it easy to finish a book during your commute, on your lunch break or while you exercise. Eight million people are using Blinkist right now and it has a massive and growing library from self-help, business, health to history books. Blinkist has the latest titles from the bestsellers lists, as well as the classic non-fiction titles you always meant to read but never had time to. With Blinkist, you get unlimited access to read or listen to a massive library of condensed non-fiction books, all the books you want, and all for one low price. Right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. Blinkist.com slash Dr. Lead to start your free seven-day trial. And you'll also save 25% off, but only when you sign up at Blinkist.com slash Dr. Leaf. That concept is so relatable to mental health. And we know the whole move in mental health. You know, that's the, the world that I move in. And, the, and when we talk about mental health, there's such a lot of negativity around it because they talk about how mental health is a, is a disease and an illness. And that's the, my whole narrative is to come against that. And that whole narrative of, of someone who's been labeled with, say, depression or anxiety or something like that, that's kind of someone who's shaping them. And depression and anxiety are not illnesses. They're responses. And they're responses to an underlying adverse circumstance. And so in knowing yourself, you've got to know that kind of thing. So the, how you're showing up in the world is going to help. You need to explore that and really get to the depth of, okay, this is how I'm showing up. What does it mean? Is this, does this go with my core value? So I love the fact that if you've got that core value statement and someone tells you you X, like you, you know, you've got clinical depression and that's your identity. You can actually question that identity and, and rather say, no, I don't. Depression is something I'm experiencing because of, as opposed to that's my identity. You know, and that's what I found in my research is that people would start with, with my identity is depression, for example. But once they manage their mind and you speak about B, managing mindsets, they would shift from I'm depression to I am depressed because of. And, mm. and that, and, and I see your, your idea of, you know, write down your core values. And, and, you know, we get told a lot to do this, but do people actually write it down? So that's a really good starting, a good tip for people to actually write down their core values. So when the world comes in and tries to shape you, 
you've got something to anchor it back onto. I love that. That part. Just talk a little bit about Own Your Dope. Don't diminish your gifts to make other people comfortable. Nobody wins when you're self-deprecating because you don't get to live in your full amazingness. And then you're trying to make somebody else feel better because you don't want to offend them with how amazing you are. I think we all need to own it. Women are especially taught that humility is what we need to be like to, to live in. And I think we've gotten the concept of humility wrong. I think humility yeah. is not about me saying I'm not, I'm, I'm just okay. No, no, I can say I'm an amazing writer. I'm an amazing speaker. But I know that I'm able to be these, these things, these titles, because of a mom who sacrificed a lot to bring me to the United States, a grandmother who I was able to watch, who had learned some of these lessons before I showed up. So she could show me her full joy, God, for the given gifts that I have that I honed and some of the writers who came before me who did work so I could show up and be able to be myself. So I'm humble in that I will always give credit to those whose shoulders I stand on. But I am not humble because I won't admit to you that I'm good. No, no, no. I'm amazing at what I do. And I think we need to not be shy about saying that. Being oh, arrogant I agree with you. is if you just think you're amazing and you just did it all by yourself, by your own lonesome. Yeah. Nobody ever helped you. That's this is pride. just because you're magical. <laughs> right. That's arrogance. Arrogance yeah. is not saying I am really good at this thing. I would love because to help of, you at it yeah. because of, yes. I, hi, boss. I'm really amazing at my job. I've done these amazing things while I've been here. Eight reasons why I've brought value to the company. This is why I would love this raise because I've earned it. Right. That's not arrogant. So in those moments, bring your full self, own your dopeness, get and be the person who is of value that you know you are. You do not have to diminish that for anybody. Love it. Love it. Okay. I like trust where you are. Briefly talk about trust where you are. This is still under the B section, just for the viewers and listeners. Yeah. You just have to know that there are some times when you are ready for the thing that you don't think you're ready for. Mm, And that's good. Yeah. You are ready. You've been ready. And I know for us, once again, they say women don't apply for jobs unless we think we're like 90% qualified for the job posting. Men apply once they think they're 15% qualified. That's so interesting. Yeah. Like they're wow, like, oh, that's I so interesting. So why are we not trusting ourselves? Why are we not thinking we're good enough? Once again, why are we letting imposter syndrome stop us from doing these things when others are not? You know, there are a lot of people who are big successes. Not because they're smarter than you or they know better than you or they work harder than you, simply because they think they deserve success. So imagine if the smart people who are thoughtful, who are hardworking, started really believing their own hype, we would win. And we all win. I love that because we all win. It's not that you, you, you said we will win. That's beautiful because it's the person wins, but also we will win because it's not about you. It's about you and the world. So it's an enhancement culture versus a competition culture. And that's something that I always show you. The brain research shows that, that if you compete, you actually damage your brain. Whereas if mm. you enhance, you increase your intelligence and bring healing and resilience in your brain. So you said yes. such a profoundly important statement there. So thank you for saying that. I love that. Okay, I'm going to just grab a couple of things out of say and a couple of things out of do. Is that okay with you? Yeah. And you just take it where you want. I love this. Okay, so fail loudly. Talk yep. about that. This is under the say part now. So this is now we've moved from the sort of B, the B part, we're moving to the say part. So this is now the speaking. This is what you're going to start saying. These are the words attached to the changes you've made internally in the B section. When you start putting words to it, just know you're going to make some mistakes, right? You might challenge something and somebody doesn't like it. You might say something that is not as thoughtful, but you have to give yourself permission to make mistakes, to fail in order to grow. You have to fail to grow. There is Absolutely. Success can teach you some things. Failure teaches you more. So mm-hmm. the fear of being embarrassed, falling flat on your face, making somebody else upset, valid. However, don't be afraid of doing it so it stops you from doing it. I think the value and failure doesn't really exist if you've learned something, if whatever the situation is has gotten you to a better place mm-hmm. as a thinker, as a leader, as a person, a human. A vulnerable being, I don't think it's a failure because on the other side of it is a better version of you. And I think that's valuable. 
That's beautiful. That's beautiful. That being able to grow forward and to accept who you are and accept the failures, not as failures, but as lessons that you've learned. It's just so, in every failure is an incredible lesson that'll catapult you forward if you prepare to dive into that. And I know we hear this, but to actually do it is another thing. We've got to start doing that. So that's really powerful. Ask for more. I like it. Ask for more. Like start putting words to your desires and say them out loud. Ask the person who can help you. Ask the person who you're not even sure if they can help you because they might know somebody who can help you. Just we're so shy about saying we want something. You know, we don't want to be called greedy. We're so shy about, you know, requesting what we want. And then we sit around disappointed, but we're disappointed about an ask we never made. Exactly. Just start asking. And then again, the worst you can hear is no. Exactly. A no won't wound you. It it hurts your feelings. That's okay. Sure. But it doesn't wound you. It doesn't Mm -mm. put you in a worse place. It doesn't ruin your life. A no is a no. Keep it moving after you get the no. But what if you get the yes? Exactly. And what can you do with a no? Hmm, There's another one. What are you going to do with a no? You can still, in the messiness, you can grow and repair. Beautiful. Love it. Okay. Draw your lines. Draw your lines. Create your boundaries. Like you don't feel bad. I think. I always say like lines are my favorite things to draw because it is important to create boundaries that you will honor in honoring yourself and that other people need to also honor. Love it. You got to be okay with saying, I don't like when you do that thing. I would love for you not to, because some people are just waiting to know what we want. And we get, we, people run afoul of us from boundaries we haven't drawn yet. And then we get upset with them and then we get upset with them, but we haven't drawn the boundary. We're allowing them to talk to us in a certain way or allowing them to say things. But meanwhile, draw your lines. Yes. So there's fear again. Isn't that fear? We don't draw lines because we are in fear of their responses, reactions. Correct. But I think we're doing everybody a favor, ourselves, the people we love, the people we work with, the people we know. When we tell them what our lines are, so then they can know to honor it. And then if they don't honor it, you're learning something, right? That person made a choice to not honor it, at which point you can create another boundary between you and them, which is exactly. But don't get mad at somebody for crossing the line you never set. I love it. This this is really good. Practical, real advice. Okay, let's jump to do. Grow wildly. I love that. Grow wildly. Grow wildly. Give yourself the the permission, not just chance, the permission to change to be a different person sometimes, to change your opinions and your thoughts, to deepen your thoughts, to change your preferences. We, in knowing who we are, it doesn't mean we're rigid. It just means we're clear and grounded about ourselves. And then we spend some time learning more information and hopefully altering some of our perceptions and reality because of it. So give yourself the permission to constantly grow because whatever is not growing is dying. So just- uh, love it. You're growing human. I love that. I love that because that's so relevant in a day where we know we should be doing that. But when people, when you change, people say, but you used to say that. I say, yes, at least I don't say it anymore. You know, it's almost like it's a bad thing that you've changed. Meanwhile, it's a good thing. (laughs) Yeah. People want to weaponize our change when if they tell you that you've changed, tell them, thank you. I'm so glad you noticed. Yeah. They lovely. Love that. Love that. Because they often mean it as an insult. Oh, you've changed and you've gone back on you like this that you've lost some of your value or your trustworthiness meanwhile that's all part of humanity you've got to keep growing if you no one's your brain never stays the same it's changing every second millisecond of the day because your mind's always changing yes. so you know if you, if you that just means if you don't if you think you can't change you are changing but you might be changing backwards that <laughs> instead part. of forwards that part <laughs> okay fire yourself so outsource your life like we spend a lot of time thinking we're supposed to get everything done ourselves. We're not at all. Everybody can do everything. You only have 24 hours in a day. Exactly. Hire yourself. You need help. I, I think so we just good. need to let go of our superwoman complex. I let people know. I'm like, I will outsource in a hot second. No, I can't spend my time doing that. I'd love to pay somebody else to do it so they can even do it better than I would have. There you go. That's so good. That is such a good thing. Is I love the superwoman thing because it is definitely, you know, I know males do this too, but I think so many, so many women feel like we've just got to be superwoman. We've just got to be the perfect mom, the perfect this, the perfect that, and be able to do everything perfectly in our businesses. Right. 
But this fire yourself concept is just brilliant because like fire yourself from what you know you're not going to do well. Yeah. And take all that stress of yourself. I mean, that'll affect your mental health. Okay. I love that. Okay. So funny. Get a Nigerian friend. You got to tell us why they... <laughs> I got one. I got my son-in-law and I got you. So I got myself some Nigerian friends here. Get a Nigerian friend. We just have extra... We add color to your life. We just bring excitement. We Our food is amazing. You know, we will gas you up and make you feel good and affirm you. We're really entertaining and we just really deeply care about the people in our lives. So get a Nigerian friend. We're good. We're good times and we're just good people. Oh, I love it. I love that. That's so beautiful. Okay. So I'm just going to jump to one more thing that I wanted to, that I'd highlighted in the book. Uh, Okay. It was the section here. I, I, okay. I dog eared so much stuff. I'm going to double check that. I love that. it. I love hearing that. That, <laughs> that for me is a massive compliment. Oh, and other thinkers do that. I love it. I love it. So, okay, this was funny. I mean, it's just so good. I mean, it's, and it's coming back full circle to where you started because you started at the beginning about fear and being a troublemaker. So I'd like us to, I'm going to read this to you, a little phrase from your book, and then I'm going to ask you to just kind of transition and kind of give us your closing sort of argument, statements, whatever, about why being a troublemaker and why being a professional troublemaker and how it relates to fear. So let me prompt you. We have to learn to fight fear like we fight the hairstylist who messed up our haircut after we told them we only wanted them to cut two inches for a bob and they went on a trim spree and you ended up with a bowel cut. I mean, that's we've, we've all had that experience. We've all had it. <laughs> <laughs> we got to fight fear like, like our mama said, bald-headed trifling bitch. We must fight fear like it drank the last glass of orange juice but left a swig and then put it back in the fridge. So take that and kind of just pull it all together for us being a professional troublemaker and what that means in terms of fighting fear and fighting that haircut. Yeah, I think what it really comes down to is that we have to know that we can make fear our friend or our foe. Yeah, we can make it our friend in knowing that in the moments when we are afraid, it's probably because we're being called to grow. So how do we take control of that moment and do the thing that is courageous? Or do we make it run us like run us away where we're like, no, I'm hiding my face. Yeah. And we don't do the thing that's audacious. We have to understand that to be fearless is not that you are not afraid. It's that you are not going to do less because of your fear and that you will choose courage intentionally when you are asked to in the small moments and the big moments. And that's really what it means to be a professional troublemaker. And I think if more of us were professional troublemakers, the world would be better for it. If more people stopped silencing troublemakers and celebrated them, the world would be better for it. And if we grew a generation and had a million more people being troublemakers, the world would be better for it. And that's my mission is to create a million more troublemakers, people who decide to do something bold in their life, whether it's asking for the raise or, you know, having a tough conversation or, you know, deciding to go for some job that they never even thought they could get. I want all of us to move audaciously. So that's that's my goal. And that's what I hope for everybody, because at the end of it all, like on the other side of that audacity is is our massive surprises, really amazing surprises for us that we didn't think we would even have the access to. Love it. So you actually define in your book that what a professional troublemaker is not and what it is. So can you quickly sum that up as well? Just quickly, what is a professional troublemaker? What it isn't the other way around or to compare however you want to do it. A professional troublemaker is a truth teller. They are innovators. They are vulnerable thinkers. They're not contrarians. They're not haters and they're not trolls. They are people who are deeply committed to seeing the world be better. They mean what they say and they do the hard things because they know those things are necessary. Mm, That's perfect. Okay, last question. This podcast is called Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess. So I like to ask my guests, how do you clean up your mental mess? Because we're all a bit of a mess. Because life, that's being human, being alive, yes. to be a mental mess, as long as you're managing it. What do you, so what do you do to manage your mental health and clean up your mental mess? I go to therapy to clean up my mental mess. I have been in therapy for four years. Wonderful. And this year, I actually suddenly lost my therapist. Oh. So I am now back in the process of finding a new therapist because it is just that important for me so to good. clean up my mental mess. So yes. Oh, that's wonderful. I have so enjoyed talking to you. People, where can I get this book? Everywhere where books are sold. I mean, that's the answer, isn't it? (laughs) Everywhere books are sold. Get the hardcover, though. You're going to want to highlight some things. Oh, yeah, sure. And there's 
There's a couple of like quizzes and some nice <laughs> photos. and Yes, yes. And follow me on social. I'm at Lovey Everywhere. And Dr. Leaf, I have so much respect for you. We've been, I've been following you for probably since last year, for at least a year. Oh. I see your posts and I appreciate the work that you put forth in loaning people courage too with your platform. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate that so much. And it's a tremendous honor to speak to you. And I'd love to continue this conversation again yes. because I only got to like the first little part of the book that I, I've got the rest of the book that I need to talk to you about. <laughs> yes. Yes. So let's do this again sometime. And thank you so much for coming on the podcast and for your wonderful pearls of wisdom. And let's go out there and be troublemakers. Well, thank you for having me. More to come. <laughs> More to come. I hope you found today's podcast interesting and helpful. If you want more tips and help with managing anxiety, depression, and mental health, be sure to visit my website at drleaf.com and to sign up for my weekly newsletter where I also include a schedule of my speaking events and so much more. And follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Just look for Dr. Caroline Leaf. Also, I love seeing all your posts on social media about this podcast. I love seeing what resonates with you and what you've learned. So be sure to continue posting and tagging me and letting me know what you think and how these tips worked out for you. And don't forget, leave a review and keep spreading the word about this podcast. Thank you for joining me today. I really hope you learned something new and helpful. Till then... I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf. This podcast represents the opinions of myself and my guests. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for educational and informational purposes only. Please consult your healthcare professional for any individual medical questions you may have. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions or corrections of errors.